Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you've not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. I always want to get your feedback. Uh, let me know what you're thinking of, of the pod in general. We have a lot of stuff coming out. Obviously, this week is going to be uh, hellaciously busy, but we will have stuff coming out every day regardless. Don't worry about it. Um, psyched today to be joined by my friend uh, from over at the King's Herald and also the King's Pulse. Brendan Nunes. Brendan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, what about yourself, Mark? I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming. I can't, uh, I can't, I can't complain. I, uh, it's freezing as hell in Ohio, but other than that, you know, making do is like 20 degrees this morning. My dog, of course, want to go on a walk anyways, but, uh, how are you doing? Oh, yeah. I, last time we talked, you just got a puppy like the day of how's he doing? Yeah. Uh, she, she's doing oh, all she right. Did. She's no, you're fine. She's she's over in the crate right now, and there's a chance that she starts whining. Yeah, um, but I know yeah, that. Yeah, she's doing all right, and I feel your early morning walks. I, I don't remember what what how cold did you say you have? Because I'm it's sure it's fine. This morning. Yeah, no, I got double that, and I'm complaining over here in yeah. California. Um, but yeah, no, I got early morning walks. I started running in the mornings, and I've mm-hmm. never been a runner, but just to get this dog's energy out. She's a cattle dog, but I'm in an apartment, yeah. um, which only works because I work from home with the whole COVID situation. Um, so she's very high energy. So I started running for her sake rather than my own. And my I'm ridiculously sore today. <laughs> no, I feel that. So it's funny. Um, I got moose like probably two months before quarantine happened. And um, he's I mean, yeah, he's a husky. So just like a cow dog, his energy is just through the through the roof, man. Um, and I tried running him the first time I tried running him, he saw a squirrel and I almost broke my ankle. So we haven't run since, oh, yeah. uh, I get yeah, cut but, off all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a work in progress. I think when he gets a little bit older, maybe, but he's still only like a year and a half right now. So I'm not sure. Uh, but, okay. uh, yeah. Making do, um, you know, especially talking about young things. I mean, Sacramento Kings young as hell team. Um, but well, actually not as young. As, They're actually as, not. As yes. I know. It's, not I was young. trying to make it sound like a little bit, uh, it was a good like transition kind, was a good kind in, in the way. Um, there have been some positives, but a lot of negatives so far to start the year for SAC after, um, you know, like the first three or four games is when I saw uh, everything I've seen on Sacramento's first three or four games, other than, you know, seeing like small game recaps. Um, obviously Tyrese Halliburton has been awesome. Probably Close to leader for rookie of the year. I know the counting stats probably aren't going to end up beating LaMelo Ball, but regardless, he's been awesome. Um, but I think overall, the first question I'd want to ask is, you know, what is what is going on with the team um, that is kind of sinking them? Um, because they, they started off okay, but they're starting to really drag now, especially last night. Yeah, they started really well. They started uh, three and one and are one of the wins against a Phoenix team that may not be any longer but was sitting at the top of the west for a little while i think um, they're back again after beating the pacers last night oh right yeah sorry to sorry to be a little uh sorry no it's okay it was a good game man it was i don't (laughs) know if you caught it at all but it was like probably the best game we watched this year i did not actually i just know mikhail ridges went crazy as he has been yeah um so yeah sacramento started started pretty well and they were competitive and at one point I even released something like oh is is Sacramento a top 15 defense in the league um they answered that question for me within the narrator said they were not (laughs) they are not they are not um at first it was like oh there's a lot of physicality to this team they brought in new assistant coaches because while Luke is uh, highly criticized, understandably. They brought in Alvin Gentry. They brought in Rex Kalamian as well, who's been touted as this um, very big uh, defensive coach and came in and kind of switched everything up. They're doing a lot of switching this year when before it was a lot of hedging with Bagley Mm -hmm. and Bielitsa, um, which has come back to bite them a little bit when you're playing against Fred Van Vliet and Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Um, But yeah, they were very physical at first and the ball movement was amazing. And, And honestly, Tyrese Halliburton was a lot of it. Um, somebody that was coming in and just an extremely high effort guy that's giving it all on, on his both ends of the floor. And um, while his on-ball defense has his deficiencies with his 
uh, weight frame and all that off ball. He just is a playmaker on that end. And I think it's, a, it was a little bit contagious. Um, and there are other people on the team, like a Corey Joseph, who's not really a good individual defender. You're familiar a little yeah, bit. He's a good team, defender, um, but individually, I mean, he's just too small, you know? Yeah. And he definitely looks a, a step slower uh, laterally. I don't think he does a good job of staying in front of guys right now. Um, but getting other good defenders around Corey Joseph makes him feel that much better. And I think there's a couple other guys on the team, like Barnes is a very good, def- uh, a pretty good defender. Rashawn Holmes is a good defender. So there's actually good defensive lineups they can roll out now. Um, and that showed some promise at first, but yeah, um, recently the the ball movement seems to completely go out the window. They they play about one good quarter against Toronto. They were actually up forty to twenty one in the first oh, wow. quarter, and then I believe it was like one twenty to eighty the rest of the game that they got outscored. Um, yeah, letting Toronto score one hundred and forty four points in regulation is kind of telling of the defensive effort of this team in the last um, last couple. Uh, last week or so really since that golden state or second houston game yeah no totally um it's interesting too um i mean i think you look at like you're mentioning um i I thought in the couple games i watched fox's defense has looked a little bit better it's not like he's ever been a bad defender but just consistency um but in looking at him too uh what is going on with the shot um because we went from his sophomore year his shot looked tremendous i think he shot like 36 or 37 percent from three it's down around 28% right now. Um, form has never really like looked super suspect to me, but it's currently falling pretty badly. Um, is that just kind of like overall spacing concerns or, or what's kind of been going on with the shot? Yeah, when it, when it comes to the shot for Fox, I think he is just looking to pull it more often this year, um, really from the mid-range as well. Um, there's... I mean, his, you, you don't love obviously that his frequency of shot attempts from the mid range has been increased, but um, I, I kind of think that rolling out this two big lineup that you've seen Sacramento do a lot this year of Marvin Bagley and Rashawn Holmes alongside each other. Uh, when personally I view, view both of them as centers um, yeah. it is not the most ideal and, and doesn't lead to amazing spacing for Fox. There were moments this year where we saw pretty much no big lineups actually. And, and the defense obviously really struggled, but Bielitsa and Barnes kind of as your front court. And uh, like I said, the defense was horrible, but Fox was able to get to the rim every single time. Um, so I, I think there isn't great spacing around him right now, but he definitely can get that, that mid range shot whenever he wants because people back backpedal with uh, the insane speed he has and yeah, I, I mean, it's not falling at a great rate right now. He's getting to the free throw line a, a ridiculous amount. I mean, I yeah. think that he's going to be one of the best players in the league at getting to the line whenever he wants, really. Um, so I personally think that he just kind of has taken more of a um, offensive load on himself with with Bogdanovich no longer there. Um, Heald is really, really struggling to start the year, um, at least relative to what you expect from shooting with Buddy Heald. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of think he's just taking more responsibility on himself and he seems more quick trigger, which I, I, he needs to keep the confidence. So while it's not falling, I, I don't mind that, that Fox is pulling it quicker. Um, like I said, I, I've seen criticism for sure that he is regressing or, or not necessarily getting better when he just signed this max deal. But I actually would argue that he looks a lot more controlled in the pick and roll. I, I think there's more, um, change of speed to him his handle looks a little cleaner and there's more creativity so seeing a little bit of progress that doesn't quite show up in the numbers um and definitely needs to translate a little bit more um if he's going to live up to this max contract but he was never going to be a max guy right away anyways yeah and the i mean i think i I know exactly who you're talking about in terms of the criticism that was ridiculous man that (laughs) wasn't it uh i mean i don't want to say names on the pod but uh yeah, no, we're thinking the exact same person, the little yeah. spat back and forth. Um, that was weird, man. I did not understand that at all from said person's side, um, especially considering, too, like De'Aaron. Uh, yes. And okay. so. well, yeah, I mean, De'Aaron's super even killed guy, it seems like, especially in talk, like, um, I mean, him on JJ Reddick's pod, just hearing him in quotes in general, like the response he had to Marvin Bagley's dad, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute, too. Um, I mean, he's an incredibly professional player already. He's, he's my age. I mean, he's 23. So it's like, it's very, very different um, to see people come out like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about that actually until you mm-hmm. mentioned it. Um, 
Yeah, that that was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, as a player, like I think that Fox does a great job of being the leader of this franchise. You know, there's there's reportings that he's inviting guys over all the time in, in obviously whatever capacity he can with with COVID and things like that. Um, and, and just being a leader off the court as well. And I, I think you see it on the court. Um and having a complimentary guy in Halliburton has been extremely helpful for him as well. Uh, someone to handle a little bit of the uh, playmaking responsibilities alongside him. Yeah, definitely. Um, another person I want to talk about really quick, or I guess two more people I want to talk about before we start diving into the game a little bit more. Um, Rashawn Holmes is awesome. Like, I, I, I think a lot of people who don't watch Sacramento have, like, no idea how good Rashawn is. Um, I mean, he's put up, I think it's 12 and, like, seven and a half this year. Like, nothing – earth shattering um but he's leading the league in field goal percentage exactly he's shooting a very crisp nice 69 percent from the field um <laughs> and he's currently a plus 24 uh just fantastic like he's incredible defensively very mobile um he doesn't try and play outside of himself on the offensive end but the coolest part too he has like maybe other than bam out of bio i think he has the best floater of a big man in the league like floater runner it's really good from like eight to 12 feet um he's just a fun player he's really good and you got sack got him on like a two-year just about minimum last year it was yeah, not minimum but like pretty close. yeah yeah five five million a year yeah so like he's been nuts yeah, there's been a lot of talk recently about uh you know what his worth is in this coming off season and I kind of think, you know, comparable to this two-year 19 million that you saw Montres Harrell or Tristan Thompson sign, um, but you're talking about Boston and LA and, you know, those probably are a little discounted and then you got to factor in a little bit of what we call Sacramento tax, as I'm sure you're kind of <laughs> yes. uh, familiar with in a small market team. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me, he's about a $10 million a year player. Um, and yeah, I, I do worry that, you know, maybe you overpay for that with a team that's not necessarily uh great right now but I mean yeah like you said playing within himself he's the only center on the roster that actually does that um, I think most people are familiar that Hassan Whiteside's not that guy and Marvin Bagley um, is definitely guilty of being a black hole at times even though there's been moments this year where he's played within the flow of the offense which is really nice to see um, but yeah Rashawn Holmes is is solid on the defensive end um, aside from just like pretty much every game, every other game in foul trouble. Uh, we'll get to it. Sabonis is going to have a field day against Sacramento. Um, but yeah, uh, you mentioned the little push shot that he has. Uh, Doug Christie said it's patent pending all the time. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's automatic. Um, and, and that's what makes this field goal percentage so impressive. You know, you look at like Steven Adams and his canter, Thomas Bryant. Actually, Thomas Bryant is shooting as well. But, you know, most of the guys up there are primarily dunking and doing layups, right? So at, I think being this high in field goal percentage while you have a slight range to you um, it, it is very impressive. And that range is very underrated because while you're not spacing the floor in the traditional sense of from the three point line, um, being able to run a pick and roll with you with, with homes and getting it, like you're saying in, in that, um, in that range, that's not quite next to the basket does supply a, a little bit of spacing that actually is pretty crucial, I think. Um, and, and yeah, he's been, he's been really solid all around and you saw his impact of being really the only good center, honestly, the only not horrible center on the roster, um, when he was not available against Portland and Damian Lillard uh, was, you know, getting layups every single possession. Yeah. Um, that's great. So why do you think the front office signed Hassan Whiteside? Um, Cause I remember that was one of the more vexing deals to me. I get it. You know, it's an extremely small deal, one year deal. So it's nothing crazy, but it, overall, like, I just think you look at it like, Rondé Hollis Jefferson doesn't have a contract right now. Like, again, he's not a center, but they're just, I think just since we know who Hassan Whiteside is and how he impacts his team or, uh, and it's not like, I don't know, it's, there's a fine line. Like there are things that he, he does that are a positive, like he's a big body and he can move on court and he is a great rebounder. Um, sometimes a little bit of a rebound, a, a lot of a rebound chaser, um, but I don't know, man, it was, it was a confusing deal to me, especially considering that you have Bagley there and, um, I, I don't know, like I, I get it, like, but what, what were your kind of thoughts on it when it happened and, and how it's played out so far? It was confusing. It was confusing. I think that paired with the Bogdanovich thing were two of the more uh, polarizing things to go on this offseason. Um, and 
yeah, kind of reading between the lines, this wasn't directly reported. Um, and there's always been a little bit of a ownership getting in the way thing in Sacramento. It, yeah. it did kind of seem like it was to please ownership. Um, I don't get the impression it's something that Monty McNair would have would have wanted himself. But at the same time, he, he's definitely preached future flexibility. And you see it as evident with not matching the Bogdanovich contract, um, which I still don't think was a good decision. I um, agree with that. Yeah, I think it was fine value. Um, but, you know, Hassan Whiteside on a one-year uh, minimum, like, I mean, it's not going to hurt you long-term. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I would have rather gone after other guys. I think even uh, in garbage time minutes, you see like Chemezi Metu, who was on uh, San Antonio for a little while and is just one of these younger centers. Like, I'd much rather give him some burn. Um, but, yeah, I mean, reading between the lines, this wasn't directly reported or anything, I would – I kind of think that it was just to please ownership um, and it, it's not something that's going to really damage you long-term. I was very skeptical that both him and Glenn Robinson uh, signed on the team with probably some guarantee of playing time because I would assume they had better options in Sacramento, Glenn Robinson specifically. Um, I don't remember exactly which teams were also reported to be interested in him. It was two other ones. Um I have two in mind, but I don't want to say it and be wrong, but they were playoff contention teams. They were championship contention teams for one of them. Um, And I was like, well, he must've came here with some promise of playing time. And luckily that hasn't been the case. Like Whiteside pretty much has already been cut out of the rotation um, outside of, you know, needed minutes last night against Portland because Sacramento was without Rashawn Holmes. Um, But yeah, no, the Whiteside thing, I, I, um, yeah, I don't think it hurts you long term. And to be fair, like Alex Len came into the team last year and there were moments of like, wow, an actual rim protector. This is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's moments of it. But yeah, if Whiteside's out there, you see him go to a 2-3 zone because if Hassan's Whiteside, if Whiteside isn't sitting in the middle, then uh, it's a disaster. It is a disaster. Yeah, I, it's it's just, it's an interesting paradox. I, I want to write on it sometime. I remember Haley O'Shaughnessy did like a really good article when she was still at the ringer uh, and interviewed Hassan and uh, it was interesting. I, I'll, I'll send it to you after we're done with this, but um, he is a fun guy. He's like a really, see. really cool dude. Like he doesn't get into trouble off court. He just seems to have like kind of a fun personality. Definitely a, a confident person, I think would be a good yeah. way to put it. Um, but yeah, like I have no faults with him as a, as a human being just is a, I think, yeah. On court is, is where we have problems. Yeah, he gets a little overrated by pulling down, what, like 11 boards last year, something oh, in that it was range. Like, I think it was, it was like close to 14 or 15. Didn't he lead yeah. the league last year? Led the league in blocks. I think was it was it? two and a half a game. I'm pulling um, it up right now. And, and at close. one point, he was leading the league. Yeah, it was 13 rebounds, and a half rebounds last year. Which is insane. Yeah. Um, but also part of the reason that Portland had a horrible defense. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, enough enough white side shaming. Um so in looking at this game overall, I want just really quick, what kind of questions do you have about the Pacers coming in? Or not even really quick, however many you got. I mean, I got time. But we'll, like, you know, how much do you see of the Pacers this year? And what are your kind of thoughts coming in? I have not seen as much as I would like, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm curious on, obvi- I think the obvious one is just like, what has the role of Oladipo looked like after being out of the team for a little while? Um, and kind of getting work back in because, you know, my impression is it's kind of a Sabonis run team right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's actually really interesting. So like, I think Jackson Frank posted something really good about this yesterday um, about, you know, how Sabonis is kind of like a heliocentric player. And I, I don't want to count like the, I don't want to counter that. I just want to add to it because he's in a way he is because so much flows through him. Like I think he's second in the league in touches right now, but for the most part, his touches are generating more efficient touches for other people. So he's like um, kind of like, uh, what's a good way to put it? And I'm trying to think of what it, that, that makes sense with heliocentrism overall. Like he's more like a magnet than, uh, than like this analogy makes no sense. I just realized, but you know, like my point is like uh, everything that bounces to him is like to generate more energy or power for something else. It's like a, a physics equation, you know, like, he's the acceleration and something else is like the mass. This is this and, and analogies keep getting worse and worse, Brendan. But uh, the, the point is he uh, he's heliocentric, but he's creating for others in a positive way. It's not just like, and not that Jackson meant in a non-positive way, but I think you get what I'm getting at. Like a lot of times you, you talk about yeah. heliocentrism and it's more like someone who's super ball dominant and it's not necessarily 
for the best. Um, but overall, my point with uh, with Vic is he went from before TJ Warren was injured. So the first three games, I believe he had the lowest usage percentage of his career other than when he was in OKC for Russ's uh, MVP year. And now he's up to 27 percent usage, which is the highest on the team currently. Um, and he's actually thrived in it. He's done really well. I think last night he finished seven to 21 from the field, but um, his kind of North South acceleration and just ability to maneuver around court is, I, I want to say like 95% back. Like it's really close. Um, he just doesn't have quite the verticality and lift in his legs yet that he used to have. Um, except we saw him. I don't know if you saw the dunk from yesterday, but that was like the best dunk that he has had since probably 2017, 18. Uh, came right down the lane um, off a curl and just slammed home. I mean, it was fantastic to see him do it because he hasn't had a contact dunk. Yeah. In two years. So that was really promising. I think that, yeah, the athleticism is just about back. Um, I still have questions about whether or not that's ever going to be all the way back. So I think that's a lot to, uh, to expect. Um, But I mean, yeah, he's starting to run a lot more, uh, a a lot more pick and roll, just having more stuff run through him. Um, and it's been a positive so far. So it's been it's been really cool to see. But he still is having a little bit of issues with keeping up with his handle. Um, like his, his legs and hands aren't like quite together, uh, or at least his, his handle and his legs aren't on the same speed right now. It feels like he uh, like coughed up the ball probably three or four times yesterday. I don't know if it not all of them resulted in a turnover, but uh, regardless, he's still having a little bit of issue coming off. I think it's the left to right cross um, gives him problems, but. Um, mm-hmm. He has looked really good, and his pull-up shooting has been fantastic. Uh, he's shooting really, really damn well, um, and it's been it's been promising. I don't know. I think there's there's a lot there that I like. And Malcolm Brogdon too. I think Malcolm's actually probably been even better than Victor. Um, is it a good amount something. of pick and roll? It's a lot on. of pick and roll. Like so, it's a lot of running a two-man game with with Domas and whoever is going. And the best part, the reason this offense is 11th in the league right now is because they actually have second side actions happening. Like last year, it was have three guys space to the other side and then run pick and roll on one side. And then there'd never be a cut off the, off the back end or a second action. And it's now there are actually offense right here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there are, there are other things actually happening on court besides the initial action, which has been fantastic. I mean, we used to just see um, if, if the initial action doesn't work, then it's uh, you just back the ball out and, and isolate and it, it doesn't work very well. Um, so it's been really good. Well, let me tell you, the initial pick and roll action will probably work against Sacramento um, <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, they were doing a whole lot of switching. And then last night against Damon CJ, it was like, OK, well, if you switch against these guys, the recipe for disaster. Right. You saw Fred Van Fleet absolutely work you in the third quarter when he realized he could get Bagley switched on him whenever he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hoping they would hedge or even double those guys. Um, and, and instead they went to this drop coverage where Bagley just has a horrible angle and the weak side defenders not slowing the, uh, the big man at all. And again, it was just layups um, over and over for, for Dame. And, and then CJ's got um, some pull-up shooting that he's able to do. Sacramento's 29th in defensive rating right now with yeah, they've been a, wayward. a good margin between them um, and, and the team sitting at 28th and they're starting <laughs> to catch up to, to Minnesota sitting there at 30th. Um, but I mean, there are, there's a good defense in there somewhere or an average defense in there. Um, like there's a night, it's so night to night or even quarter to quarter really with this team. Um, so it, like it, there are Sacramento could come out and look like a very competent team. Um, but from what we've seen recently um, there was, yeah, again, that's that second Houston game. The second half of that was one of the, worst halves I've seen the entire Golden State game was horrible Um, I guess they pulled through against Chicago but then the last two games against Toronto and Portland they've looked horrible so more recently they've looked like a bad team and it's hard to not feel especially after watching a lot of Sacramento basketball for the last couple of years that this is probably what it's going to be like throughout most of the season Um, so yeah don't don't feel great about uh, the the defensive matchup going into this one especially when like you're saying the uh the, the primary guy on, on your side is, is a big man. And I, I don't even think that, you know, while, while I love Rashawn Holmes, I, I do think that he's not a, uh, I think it's, it's easy for an average defender to look amazing in Sacramento when the other guys get <laughs> out there last year is, 
Harry Giles, or this year is Hassan Whiteside and Marvin Bagley, or you even see Bielitsa at the five. Um, so honestly, I've had a little bit of trouble gauging, like, is Rashawn Holmes actually a very good defensive center, or is he just like slightly above average um, and looks that much better because comparatively when he's off the floor, it's just horrible. Um, I don't think he's a guy that's slowing Sabonis or anything like that. And like I said, he gets in foul trouble and then it all goes downhill from there. Um, so it, yeah, I, I definitely worry about uh, the defense that's going to be going on. And then there's ridiculous moments of, um, well, I, I guess to start positive, there's moments of very good ball movement, especially, I mean, you see three guard lineups going out there sometimes, and obviously the ball's swinging around a lot. Uh, last year, Buddy Heald was playing a lot of uh, point guard or initiator, which is not what he should be doing. Big yikes, yeah. Um, yeah, even though he can shoot off the dribble and, you know, people look at his pick and roll numbers and it, and it was something ridiculous. Um, you know, points per possession was really high for Heald, but um, it's because, you know, he can take one dribble coming off a screen and shoot the three. But if that's taken away, um, it, it's probably a turnover or he dribbles for eight seconds and isn't cr- able to create absolutely anything from anyone else. Um, so at least that isn't happening at, 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 as much this year. Um, but then, then you go to moments of, you know, a five minute stretch with seven turnovers and the game just gets completely blown out of proportion. Um, and, and then there's no really looking back from there. And by the way, we got uh, some breaking news going on in here. Uh, Thomas, oh, really? Bryant, Thomas Bryant towards ACL. Oh man, that sucks. It's a rough one. Wow. It's a rough one. That really sucks. Also, who is playing center for them now? Is Robin Lopez going to start? Like, I guess they, man. they, uh, yeah, they, they, I, I really, I had yeah, I thought they were going to be better to make the playoffs. I had them, I had them to make the playoffs. Yeah. I had them making the eighth seed. Um, wow. That sucks. And I also saw too, uh, Dallas just shut, shut down their practice facility. Um, Maxi Kleb is going to be out for, 10 to 14 days now, which is just like a really Austin random. has, yeah. I think, seven guys out today. Um, I mean, the yeah, Philly yeah. seven sixers yesterday. <laughs> like, right, right. We can laugh I at it. I heard that man, one. That's hilarious. Just, actually. Oh, God. It's like, yeah. And I then no people are like, oh, Tyrese Maxey drops. What is it? Uh, 33 points. I'm like, yeah, well, he shot it 33 times and played 44 yeah. minutes. Like, good for exactly. him. Don't get me wrong. I love Tyrese Maxey. But it was like, well, let's let's calm down a little bit here. Yeah, no, it was nutty, man. Danny Green was running the offense yesterday for stretches, which is like Danny Green can't dribble without looking down. So it's like it it's weird, man. I feel like we're going to keep seeing more and more of this stuff throughout the year because clearly the NBA is not they have no plans to postpone anything, even though they built in the time to postpone stuff. But, you know, they didn't ask me. Um, One of the well, I mean, speaking of Dallas to Dallas connection, uh, Harrison Barnes has actually been really good this year. And I think he's he's somebody I'm always, like, one to bang the drum because I really like Harrison Barnes. And he's – I mean, I always feel for guys who get unfairly painted uh, for, like, one bad playoff performance. Um, granted, he had a really bad playoff performance with Golden State. Um, he was so young. Exactly. He was 23 in that series, which is, you know, that, that's always important to look back at. Uh, and more importantly, he's just a good player, like, it's not anything insane. I mean, like 17-7 this year, his passing seems to have improved. I remember watching him, and he made a couple passes that um, – or just reads that I wasn't used to. Um, I mean, I think his career high in, in assists was two coming into this, which has always been like the knock on him is that he's not like a great offensive field player, a great passer. Um, but it seems to be clicking for him a little bit. But I do have questions. Like, um, it, I just feel for him because he really is a four. Like, I really just – everything about Harrison Barnes to me is like, this dude's a four. He should be playing the four. Um, but he never gets to – he's not going to ever play the four in Sacramento as long as Marvin Bagley's there. Um, so what are your kind of thoughts on him and how he's looking this year? Yeah, I think there's stretches of him playing the four. I, I've mm-hmm. actually been optimistic about um, – <clears throat> excuse me – how much that Bagley's gotten run at the five, because like you mentioned with the white side signing, that was my big, that was my real issue with it. It was like, Oh God, they view, they view Bagley as a four. Um, and luckily that he has gotten some good run at the five and that's kind of slides Barnes to the four as well. Um, and, and with the switch heavy scheme, actually Barnes has looked really good switching, yeah. um, which, you know, isn't the most surprising, but we just didn't see it all too often. Um, and, and 
yeah, I mean, the passing thing I, I think is more of an issue when like Dallas was trying to run their entire offense through yeah, him, that would do which it. never should have been his role in the first place. Him next to like um, 39 year old Dirk. Yeah. Right. Like, I think if you look at Dallas right now, they would love Harrison Barnes oh, yeah. on that team um, as a guy that just fills a role. Um, he's had most minutes on the team for a couple years now in a row, um, 50% from the field, 41% from three, which actually, you know, will probably come down a little bit, but like he's been a 40% shooter from three before. Um, let me verify that exact number, but I think he's hovered right around there. Yeah. yeah no, 2018, 19, 39%. Um, yeah, so, I mean, he is a very good shooter, and he doesn't really force anything. He's off to probably the hard, hottest start of his career. Um, yeah, I mean, Barnes just doesn't do anything wrong, really. Um, I, I can't really point to a clear weakness in his game. Um, like, if you wanted to say the passing, I guess the reason I wouldn't really say that is because he's not. it's not like he's out there trying to force it anyways. Yeah. He doesn't have a ridiculous amount of turnovers or anything like that. Um so, yeah, I think he just very efficiently plays within the flow of the offense. Um, Sacramento has always had issues getting to the rim, which I, I guess you've seen a little bit better with. Um, obviously, Fox has always been good at that, and Bagley should be good at it. Um, and, and Halliburton running a pick and roll works. But Barnes is one of the only guys, aside from Fox, that's actually been able to get to the rim for the team. Um, and, and and there was a – after the, I believe it was a Toronto game where they got absolutely destroyed again, regular season or um, sorry, franchise regulation record, 144 points for Toronto. It came out that uh, Barnes was a very vocal guy in that locker room telling them that they should be better than this. And I think, you know, that always um, is kind of undersold. Um, and yeah, I think that he is just criminally underrated because he's overpaid. Um, yeah. And, and I don't, He's not even that badly overpaid in my This is opinion. what I was going to say. It's yeah. not that bad, right? Like three years, 60 million, I believe about remaining on this deal um, because it's declining. I really think that's kind of fine value for Barnes. Yeah. Like I look at him and I think he's a guy who can defend both the three and four. Um, he can, like you mentioned, he's a good shooter. Um, he just kind of does like a little bit of everything pretty well. And he's also got the highest free throw rate of his career right now. Um, just in looking at him, like, yeah, I don't, I don't get why people are so up in arms about him. I think if he was on, and this is not to besmirch Sacramento, but like if he's on the Pacers or like somewhere else getting $20 million a year. So maybe people think about it differently. Yeah. I think he's a real target for that Boston TPE. You know, they're, they're extremely switchable team that loves these versatile wings. Um, and, and I think he could totally fit that. Um, it, I, I think that Harrison Barnes has value on that contract. Yeah, no, I would agree. Like, that's interesting. I mean, I, I you put that on Twitter, right? Did you put that on group chat or was it? Yeah, I think I put um, it on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that. I was like, huh, it's actually like got some likes to it. I, I don't know if they do it, but I like the idea of it because they do kind of need another wing. Um, something that makes it possible to not start Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson together. Because from yeah. watching that with the Pacers, that, that was not very effective. Um, yeah, but I mean, looking at talking about double bigs too, I'm, Marvin Bagley, we got to talk about Marvin Bagley. Um, Do we have to? <laughs> not for very long. We can just set a timer for like two minutes, but. No, you're um, good. The stu- I mean, to, to everyone listening, if you are not aware, uh, I think it was sometime last week, uh, Marvin Bagley's dad like just came out on Twitter and, and told the Kings to trade his son, um, which is, man, Twitter is a, is a is a godsend sometimes that like you you can't even beat that like and also too trey young's dad just like liked the tweet yesterday about um trading his son from atlanta it's Which like is so funny that people are monitoring this i know right I, I i trust me i was not the one monitoring it but i did see it actually it was my friend alex pointed it out to me yesterday um and i just was like wow what is going on yeah, here this aaron fox's dad responded to somebody from the king's herald uh yeah it was funny so bagley's dad deleted the tweet and then somebody uh, caught a screenshot of it and posted it and said, Bagley's dad requests uh, a trade for his son out of Sacramento. And then he retweets it. It's like, well, why did you delete the tweet? That was the whole <laughs> what on earth? And then, uh, and then responding to that, I think Fox's dad, all he said was trade him. Um, and then you get a tweet from De'Aaron Fox a little while later and the entire tweet is just Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. yeah, the, the it, it was, it was a little bit of a mess for a little while, but Fox, um, it was a little more uh, vulgar of a tweet of a uh, response to some media, but it was like, nobody's going out there and playing and thinking about tweets. Um, 
So, uh, you know, he said the right things of like, you kind of should be past this, but I, I get the frustrations from Bagley's dad's point of view. Um, and he's had probably two halves this year that are some of the best halves of his careers or two quarters. I should say, I think there was one against Denver in the second quarter. He had about 14 points in the one quarter um, and, and really was playing within the thro- flow of the offense. He shot better from three this year than, than he usually has. He's shooting better from three than, than Buddy Heald, albeit on a quarter of the attempts. Um, so I, I guess there is some progress. And um, I mean, I, I just keep, preaching patience with Bagley and I get why that's old but he's just surpassed a full year of games he just finally has played 82 games I think he's on to about 85 now Um, and he was always a guy that was going to take you know two three years to be an impactful NBA player Um, so I I think you need a little bit more patience with him but then after those halves um, or or impressive stretches of play there's been multiple times he plays like three minutes of the entire second half. And that is pretty ridiculous. Um, Like I I get that he should be thrown out there and Walton has come out and said, um, you know, some of them were wins and it was like, well, Rashawn Holmes was playing extremely well and we just kind of rolled with him. Um, But I mean, and you know, Halliburton is in the closing lineups as he should be. Um, So that kind of takes away the Bagley at the four sort of situation. Mm. Um, But I I get the frustrations that Bagley um, is kind of getting, his he that he should be out there a little bit more but at the same time the times of Bagley's out there like like I said there's decent stretches of promise um but those stand out because usually he's pretty horrible to be honest um in yeah I mean I don't know how else to say like he's a little bit of a of a black hole sometimes um we've finally seen him play some pick and roll which um because he has a really cerebral pick and roll passer in Halliburton now as well and in the the Hallibagley pick and roll has looked uh how has looked decent um but yeah I mean so I get the frustrations but at the same time um I mean it's not like playing Bagley out there is going to impact the team in a positive way most of the time um but the season's never really supposed to have been about wins and losses in my mind so i I do think he should get some developmental minutes but like you see garbage time against toronto and portland it's the entire end of the bench and then marvin bagley yeah and i'm sure that mentally that messes with you you know and it's like i'm not closing games but you're gonna throw me out when we're down 30 points right now um but from my perspective, Bagley should go out there and absolutely destroy these third unit guys, but he doesn't do that. Um, he still kind of settles and just looks a little co- complacent out there. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I get the frustration. I get why Luke is doing it to an extent. And I also get the frustrations, um, but it definitely shouldn't have been made public or anything like that. Yeah, no, I get that. That's uh it's weird. It's like Sacramento has been in such a weird situation. Um, and I think that's why I was so confused by the Whiteside signing, not because um, I thought it was like something earth shattering, but more just because this was like, at least from my perspective, this was the first off season where I felt like Sacramento was doing something good. Like I like this, like I really liked the Halliburton pick, obviously. Um, just, I mean, Monty McNair, we knew was good. Wes Wilcox from his past has been good. Um, bringing in Alvin Gentry was huge. Like just making actual good decisions, you know, it was, significant so yeah i agree um i'm just hopeful that the kings are kind of able to to move forward and get to a different place and i hope things work out for bagley too because he's had i mean both him and wendell carter have like really struggled like uh i mean wendell's been fine like statistically you look at but just in terms of his on-court development um speaking to some of my friends who cover the bulls like he's uh he's looking better the last like probably two or three weeks but before that no it's been uh it's I, been I a weird stretch i love wendell carter i have he's a so soft spot for like al horford type guys and i thought yeah. he fit that mold um but yeah no hasn't exactly been panning out and bagley has shown in, in this very switchable um in this very switch heavy defense shown shown some potential there again mm-hmm. like fan base is focused on like oh well he, he can't cover fred van vliet like no duh well like, yeah he, no shit he's 611 like Exactly. He should not be asked to cover Fred Van Vliet or Damian Lillard or anything like this. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, he has shown switchability and I, I don't think that, you know, it's like a give up on Bagley at this point. He still totally could pan out, mm-hmm. um, not to the extent that 
it was expected in the first place, probably. Um, but at the same time, I mean, like if you had to move on from him, I, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so I guess in, in kind of closing and looking at tomorrow, um, what are like one or two things you're really looking at uh, in the game uh, that you're looking for either developmentally or just to kind of see play out um, just kind of in general, looking at, at the Pacers playing them tomorrow. Yeah, I, I would, I, I really want um, deer and Fox to just attack the paint. Like he, like he has, but I think that um, he obviously is extremely good at drawing fouls. And I think that uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like miles Turner wall, um, it is an impressive defender if you get him kind of backpedaling and obviously the speed that Fox works with. I think that he could kind of um, take a little bit of advantage of some of the weaknesses that, that Turner has defensively. Um, honestly, though, like I uh, that was me pulling a pulling a hairs to try to find <laughs> some sort of positive or something there, pulling something out of my ass. Uh, it, it's if I had to guess, this is going to be another blowout for Sacramento. I, I think Sabonis is going to be able to do whatever he wants. Um, it, like you're saying, if, if it's a pick and roll heavy team, I think that that's where Sacramento is really going to struggle. Um, so unless they can, I was going to say, you know, up the physicality again, but I mean, Indiana is a team that I don't think they're going to be more physical than. Um, yeah. Unless they can force a bunch of turnovers and, get out in transition. Um, I really think that Sabonis is going to have an absolute field day and Sacramento is not really going to have much of an answer. Yeah. That's so it's interesting. I think miles is, I actually trust miles a little bit more on small guards uh, or not to like to actually switch out on them. He can actually switch out a little bit on guys. I mean, he was able to force James Harden to pass out. Granted it was kind of a passive James Harden game. He has been like the last two weeks. James has been kind of just out of it. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you noticed from watching two games, um, but no, I mean, I would say I'm actually a little bit interested to see um, how Rashawn Holmes looks if he attacks Miles because my, that's where Miles really struggles foul-wise is like up against really strong centers, and that is Rashawn Holmes to a T. Um, like if if you put Dwight Howard or Joel Embiid or anyone who is uh, 6'11 plus with a lot of strength, that's it's a tough cover for Miles. Luckily, him and Domas play on the same team because Domas would foul him out every time. Um Right. But regardless, yeah, I mean, Miles has been have his foul trouble on the other end, uh, checking bonus. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I would say that's what I'm interested in. Like the uh, the Pacers really struggled yesterday when, um, you know, playing the starting lineup and also when they had Cam Johnson out there for, for Jay Crowder. I mean, it's running four smalls and a big basically. Um, and they had they had a lot of de- defensive miscommunications. Um just based on that, uh, there were a lot of really easy drives that got led up to the rim. And they've been a good defensive team this year, but especially when you have Sabonis and Miles in there playing against a smaller lineup. And, like, the the three-guard sack lineup is awesome. Like, that that lineup is fun. I don't have the net rating in front of me, but just from watching them close that Denver game, like, they move the ball really well. They can all shoot it, or at least they're thrust to shoot it. So that's uh, – I don't know. I'm interested to see how that matchup works out. And especially, too, with De'Aaron getting downhill – um, that's a tough, tough stop for Domas. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just want Sacramento to come out and actually look competitive because honestly, the way they played in these last two games, they would have lost any team in the league. Um, you just have to, I mean, you have to not try at all to allow another team to score 144 points. Um, Toronto's offense. And I know they're so much better than the, I, I think it was like one in six record. They went in um, yeah. to that game with, um, and a lot of it was offensive struggles that they were having, um, but I, I mean, yeah, you, I think that really there's just an extreme lack of effort that's been going on with the team recently. They look demoralized. Um, and actually I don't really think that it started with the Bagley thing. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, they just need to come out and actually want to prove a point that they're not this horrible team. Um, but to be honest with you, I think the best thing that could happen for the Kings is a top five pick. Yeah. No, you're probably not wrong, man. But uh, we'll see what happens yeah. with that. I, uh, I'm i hopeful that it's still a good Sacramento season, but uh, we'll see, man. I can hold on to the good Halliburton moments. Um, and I guess real quick, um, there is a lot of Halliburton, like rookie of the year hype. Um, and I absolutely love the kid. Um, his ceiling that I had going into the year 
Um, it's kind of been thrown out the window with this off the dribble shooting, especially from three that was just completely unexpected. I don't think you saw anything that would lead you to believe that that was a positive or a uh, potential um, strength of his coming out of Iowa state. Um, so I, I really think that I have no real gauge on what his ceiling could be right now. Um, I, I think that he is a, a first team, all NBA or first team, um, all NBA. Geez. I was going to say, wow, I'm we're talking about slowing down here, the hype. Man. No, no, no. First team, uh, all, all rookie, but rookie of the year. I mean, like LaMelo first triple double or youngest NBA triple double last night, you know, Anthony Edwards. I, I think that I, I tweeted this the other day. I still think that all teams in the top five pass on Halliburton. Really? I love the guy. I love the guy. I think he's going to be an absolutely elite role player. Um, but I just, I mean, and it's more so speaking to the depth of the draft class because I think yeah. Halliburton's been really good. Um, but I, I mean, it's way too early to call it on some of these other guys that are high ceiling. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Anthony Edwards has shown a whole lot of potential. And then uh, second, obviously, Wiseman has been has been impressive there, even though um, maybe maybe I need to watch a few more, but I've seen a good handful of these Golden State games. And I don't know, I, I don't know this whole like best rookie thing. I, I've kind of calmed down people a little bit on the white side thing. Um, but obviously the mellow three and then four Patrick Williams, you saw this LeBron praise that he was getting. Yeah. He's the young, second youngest player in the NBA right now. Um, Isaac Okoro was my personal crush. He was um, so good, man. I love so watching Isaac Okoro play basketball. He's so fun. I, and apparently defense, I mean, apparently um, uh, Cleveland's the best defense in the league. Second, uh, they were second best recently. I don't know if they're up there still because they just lost a couple games, but they held somebody below. Uh, I mean, they've held a couple teams below 100 points this year already. Which so. I had a hot take going into the year that I thought Cleveland would be better than Chicago, but it was like all based. Oh on... my God, they do have the best defense in the league right now, but yeah, which... they still have a negative 2.1 net rating because they have the 29th offense wow. in the league. They have a 101.5 wow. offensive rating currently. So backwards, yeah. and you know that that'll kind of come back, um, come back to earth. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I thought the offense would be good, and the defense would continue to be a struggle. I thought it would kind of be opposite here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I love Halliburton. I don't think he's rookie of the year um, because of some of the hype these other guys are going to get. But it, it is surprising to me how quick national media picked up on all the Halliburton stuff. You know, just kind of not used to it covering mm -hmm. Sacramento like that. Um, but. Yeah, I um, absolutely love the kid, and I'm just ecstatic that he's on the roster. Um, but if I had to pick, um, I, I wouldn't. He would not be my rookie of the year, probably. No, that's fair. I really like that point. Like, I think some of the sometimes the expectations and stuff that we love young guys is like nuts. Like, you know, especially looking at like, um, I was thinking about this yesterday. I talked to Jay Kyle Mann for a pod that's going to come out sometime this week. Um, and we were talking about like the draft and looking at how, you know, expectations can be put on guys and talking about busts. And you look at Halliburton, if he goes number two and he goes to like, okay, well, not Golden State, because Golden State would actually probably be a good spot for him. But if he goes to like number one and he goes to um, to Minnesota, that's a terrible place for him. If, if, if he goes anywhere where they expect him to do a ton of stuff, like trying to be a creator instead of being what he is, which is a fantastic secondary like blue guy um and you just yeah. see like a lot of issues with that you know you look at like a guy like Tyreek Evans who when he came into the league in sack was fantastic because he was playing his position and then he gets moved to um to New Orleans and they try and play him as a small forward like environment and context is so important to everything and like luckily Tyrese is in a great and I don't know if I can say environment all the way uh but in terms of like on-court development area it's like perfect for him I think he's got a great partner in Fox. Yeah, um, I, I, I think love they, their partnership. Yeah, they complement each other very well. Um, I mean, I think that you could totally use a primary wing initiator, which is this draft class has a couple of them. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think that that pairing has a lot of potential together. Um, but I think that when you see teams focus on Halliburton, that he is going to struggle. Um like if if teams start to to hedge Halliburton, I don't know that he has the handle to dribble out of it, um, or is quick enough to um, take advantage of those situations. So I, I think that as teams kind of start to game plan for him, um, that that you are going to see him struggle a little bit. Like if he's asked to be the on ball defender, he's obviously going to have a whole lot of issues with the size yeah. that he has. Um, 
he he's good for at very least one absolutely ridiculous like I didn't even think you were in the passing lane, but you somehow got your hands on that ball. The Jokic steal. Was that like the first or second game? It was a uh, blocker steal. I can't remember, but uh, that was fantastic. Cannot forget yeah. about that. Right. He, yeah, he, he's good for at least one of those a game, you know? Um, I, I mean, he's, he's amazing to watch, but he totally has his very clear weaknesses that I think, um, you know, if, if Sacramento gets to a point of, of a playoff team, like he, he very much can get, attacked um and uh, i mean people need to calm down you know we're what 10 games into the season right now so obviously there's a lot to see from all of these rookies across the league um but yeah i mean obviously looks like i, I mean i still obviously think steal the draft there's no way he should have found a 12 don't get me wrong um but yeah i just uh I don't know. I, I, I absolutely love the guy. So I don't want to sound like I'm down on him in any sort of way. I, I think Halliburton's absolutely amazing. Um, I, I bet going into the year that he would probably never be an all-star. I thought he was this high floor guy. And at this point, I, I do think that, you know, at very least he'll, I guess maybe not, but if I had to bet on it, I, I would say he probably sneaks into one all-star team. You think of like Jeff Teague was an all-star one year, you know, there's a D'Angelo Russell all-star sort of situation. Um, but he's just an elite role player. And I love those type of guys, um, but obviously you need you need the stars around them too. And maybe Darren Fox can be that guy, um, but I think if you get a Fox, Halliburton, and Cade, tank for Cade, yes, yeah. Cade or Evan Mobley is all I'm saying, man. I yeah. would love. I'm talking about how I think Rashawn Holmes is like the answer defensively, and I don't know if he's actually a good defender. Give me Evan Mobley. Give me. Yeah, Mobley. this draft class is fun, man. We have a lot to look forward to. We'll have to talk about the draft sometime soon, but because uh, I know we both like just started getting into the draft like this last cycle, so it's been fun. Yeah. But um, dude, thank you a ton for coming on and taking the time. I'm sure I'll hit you up during the game tomorrow. Um, but is there anything you want to plug or let people know about before you get out of here? Uh, no, I think you kind of did it at the beginning. Yeah, there's uh, great writing from myself and all the other guys at kingsherald.com and then uh, do constant podcast uh, for the Kings if anybody wants to kind of torture themselves. Or, you know, we, we actually will do a lot of draft coverage, obviously, mm -hmm. because uh, assuming the team doesn't manage to, I mean, the worst draft coverage starts early in Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, I put out a tweet today. I'm like, is it too early to do this? Or, uh, yeah, so there, there's a lot of draft coverage going on there. But, yeah, check out uh, my Twitter as well, at Brendan Nunez NBA. But that's all I got, man. I, I appreciate you having me on, Mark, anytime. Yeah, of course. Uh, to, to everyone listening, of course, go follow Brendan and everything he does. Um, even if you aren't a fan of the Kings, that's how – I mean, I keep up with the Kings through Kings Pulse and through Brendan's writing too. So, of course, follow along. Most importantly, just have a good rest of your day. And thank you for listening.